What's up, Painless Flipping Podcast listeners? Before we dive into today's episode, I've got something special for you. Recently, I had the pleasure of joining an amazing podcast, and I wanted to share that conversation with you all. It's a fantastic discussion you won't want to miss. So without further ado, let's jump into that crossover episode and hear what we had to say. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is Uncut with Q. I am your host, Quentin Flores. Guys, in this show, we talk about all things business, all things entrepreneurship, overcoming hardships. And you know what, man? Like every single episode is something special. You know what I'm saying? I I always feel like every time we do this, it's always like just random value that gets delivered. And from all directions, whether it's mindset, making money, um, you know, traveling, spirituality, finances, whatever. We have people that fly across the U.S. just to get here and be on our podcast. My guy, Nathan, being one of them. Um, But, dude, so if this is your first time watching, we have four different types of shows. These are our main shows, all right? We have Real Talk, where I get on here and I speak some stuff from my mind, and I let you guys know a little bit about things as far as my opinion on shit. Things as far as my opinion on shit. (laughs) The second one is... Um, you know, uh, I bring an amazing friend on that does crazy shit and he's going to come over here and tell you guys about how he fucked life up and made shit happen regardless of his circumstances. The third one is where my friend Trey and I, we look up things that are trending on the internet and we talk shit about them or we just give our opinions on them, which is a fun, it's honestly my, my favorite show, which I'm pretty excited. If we, me and Trey got to do this tomorrow where we do another one cause the new Pokemon game's coming out and I want to talk about it. Uh, and then the fourth one. Uh, is uh, Q&A with E and Q, where my buddy Aaron and I, we answer all of your questions. If you guys have any questions that y'all want to submit, go to quintinflores.com slash ask Q and E, and uh, you'll be able to submit your questions, all right? There's also a link on the website. You guys can go there and figure it out. With that being said, if this is your first time listening, we have a fee, and the fee is very simple. If you guys... Get value from this show. All I ask is that you share the shit out of this show. We do, if anything, we spend money to make the show happen. Uh, you know, these guys, they invest money to come over here and be on the show with me. They fly so that your ears can listen to this dope-ass content that we're throwing out. And so if you get value from the show, share the show. If you don't get value from it, then we're just going to continuously try better until we get it right. right. With that being said, guys, I have an amazing guest here. Introduce yourself to the world, man. Yeah, man. My name is Nathan Payne. I'm coming here from Salt Lake City, Utah. You know, we've been chopping it up a little bit and, uh, you know, I'm just excited for today's uh, to chat with you, man. Oh, dude, I appreciate you coming through, bro. Tell me a little bit about Salt Lake City, Utah. Have you been there your whole life? Yeah, man. So I I actually was born in in Salt Lake City, Utah, but I moved when I was like, you know, five or six to Atlanta, Georgia, where I grew up uh, most of my life. Right. And then I spent up I graduated from high school and uh, went on a two-year mission for my church. You know, I went on a mission for my church, talked to people about Jesus for two years. Wow. And then uh, then I moved back to uh, Utah after uh, coming back when I was like 21. I went from 19 to 21. After that, moved back to Utah. So I've been there maybe like, what, like six, six seven years since <laughs> since then. That's badass. You said you lived in te- uh, Texas for a little while in Corpus? Yeah, man. So I, uh, when I got back from my mission, I went to school at BYU, Idaho, Brigham Young University, but it's a sister school in Idaho. Oh. So went there and it's really big. Like door to door sales is really big up there. Like everybody wants to go knock doors and, and, and sell. You in know. Utah? No, in Idaho. Yeah. Uh, so, Idaho. Yeah. Gotcha. So I went to school. So Brigham Young University is mainly in Utah, but they have sister schools in Hawaii and Idaho. And I went to one in Idaho. And there's just like a big uh, thing to like do door to door sales, right? I think that's 
that's beautiful. You know, yeah. I think a lot of people can learn a shitload of stuff from just doing door to sales, like door to door sales. Yeah, man. A lot wild. of you guys that are listening to this podcast, you know, most of y'all just cold calling. Yeah. It, 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 it's a different game when you're in front of somebody, man. Let me tell you, because then yeah. you have to face objections to your face. Yeah. Versus when you're doing it over the phone and like the seller can just reach out and slap you. You know what I mean? Exactly. So that's cool as hell. Yeah. And that's that's how I went to Texas is I, I would when I was in school, we would have to go every summer to a different market to sell. And we would most of the time we'd come to Texas. We go to Corpus Christi, Dallas, Waco. I think we did a little in San Antonio a little bit. But yeah, wow. that's that's where I came here a lot during my college years. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. How long was college years ago? Um, I graduated, what, like three, four years ago, I think. Damn, yeah, three or barely? four years ago. Yeah, well. That's crazy. Hold on, man. Um, yeah, I think about four, four, <laughs> actually, five years ago. What'd you, gra- what'd you go to college for? I went to school for entrepreneurship and business management. Did That's you learn I, anything about entrepreneurship and business management? Not really, not really. Man. <laughs> I mean, school, what I got to say about school is it's more for the networking. I mean, that's where mm-hmm. I met my business partner that I had at the time. That's where I met a, gr- a ton of great friends. But when it comes to, like, a- applicable knowledge, not not much right there. That's crazy. How much yeah. did you spend to go to college? So it is a subsidized school because it's through the church that I go to. So oh. it, was, it was like... Um, it's like two thousand a month for uh, your tuition. So I, I think I graduated with like no debt, and it was maybe a total of like ten k to go to school. It was very Damn. cheap. And you know how it is with coaching and how this industry. Like I paid way more in education through mentorships and masterminds than I ever did in college. But you know that was the path that we, everyone tells you to do: go to school, go to college. But I mean, unless in my opinion, unless you're getting a trade or a specific skill set, like an attorney, a doctor. I mean, I don't think college is really necessary to be real. Yeah. You know, I, I never got past the ninth grade, man. Well, there you go. Yeah. Look at you, man. You, I, mean, school? <laughs> I don't even have a GED. Yeah. Really? Well, hey, you even you even need one? Only job I ever had was a jack-in-the-box. There you go. And I used to, to snort cocaine off of the, the grill at jack-in-the-box <laughs> after I cleaned it. For real? Yeah. Dang, A long time man. ago, man. And they, I was fucking a kid, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I, would, I, was, I was smoking weed and drinking beer and just flipping burgers. Just flipping burgers and, and you know, fries I, I had, and... I would sell weed through the jack-in-the-box. So people Through the drive-thru? Yeah, through the drive-thru. i oh, put it in shoot. their food and make it out in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. I used to take all my weed with me and then do it in the freezer. That's wild, man. That is stupid, That's wild. man. It's crazy because, uh, you know, the, the, the what we're operating on right now is just wild. Yeah. Like the things that we're doing and the stuff that we're planning. You know, this whole podcast even and you being a part of it. For sure. Uh, real estate's a, a, an awesome business model. Real For estate sure. doesn't care about your past. And that's what I love about it. No, I know? love it too. Yeah. How long have you... Uh, so tell everybody what you do. First yeah. Yeah. So I uh, I started in, I think, 2018. I started wholesaling. I didn't know anything about real estate. Knew nothing. I came from the door-to-door industry and I called up my buddy who was wholesaling while we were in college. And I said, hey, man, I'm tired of drive you know moving every summer to a new market to sell um let's let's do wholesaling because his dad was doing wholesaling while we were in college and he would dabble in lease options and so i was like hey let's do that here in utah so he quit you know i quit that job and we just went all in and just started knocking doors trying to get deals cold calling for the guy who doesn't know about wholesaling and that's watching this yeah right yeah now, give him a breakdown because we have yet to have somebody really talk about wholesaling yeah. real estate on this podcast yeah for sure so wholesaling is basically you go to a seller and you agree on a specific price to purchase their home you sign a contract so let's for example it's two hundred thousand dollars so i go to you and say hey i'll buy your house for two hundred thousand dollars i have the option to assign my agreement to someone else for a fee so if Let's say Joe's the buyer right here. I could say, hey, Joe, I have an agreement with um, Quentin right here for $200,000. i am going to flip this, but I, if, I can, if you want it for two twenty, I'll sign it to you for twenty k. 
So without me closing on the property, having to, you know, do, bring any funds, <laughs> I can title. just take title or anything. I can just assign my rights to the contract for a fee. And that's, you know, ma- mainly what, what I started doing with, uh, you know, when I first started. How many of these have you done? Yeah, man, I've done hundreds, hundreds of deals. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, when I have to give you, I have to look at like an exact number, but I mean, it's, it, I've done all over the nation. I've gone anywhere from just specifically Salt Lake City to nationwide. Now I'm actually back just doing Salt Lake City again, one market. All good. You know, I, I noticed right now there's a lot of market changes and stuff and probably yeah, best to just pull back and see That's what exactly the, when right. the dust clears. You know, because this interest rate thing has been making it hard for me to sell my flips, man. Dude, me I got too. Four flips going on right now, and, the, and I have probably half a million tied yep, up. Yep. I'm not borrowing either. Yep. This is money that I have actually invested. Yeah, it's your money. I got uh, one property I bought for two twenty, and yep. I put sixty k into it, listed at four hundred, and I'm selling it right now for three twenty five. Is that break even? Yeah, it is about yeah. break even yeah. after paying all the fees and the title fees and the closing costs, the insurance, everything like holding five it. grand. Yeah, what was supposed to be a six figure profit. Exactly, I'm the same way, bro. I'm in Salt Lake City. We took a hit. Like the appreciation was nuts over the last two years, but now, it, like in a couple months, it's just gone down weight. So I had a I had the same thing. I got three flips that are sitting, and I'm having to refinance out of them out of the hard money loans because that's how I bought mine. So I got to oh, refinance man, those loans out. Will bleed you, bro. Yeah. So those I, I got to fees are crazy. It, they are crazy. I mean, twelve percent interest. You you know, so I have Shit. to refinance out of it and then rent it. But what's the problem is the rents aren't that high in the area for what the interest rate is. I mean, I got I'm getting like a six, seven percent interest rate. So in order to be able to rent it out, I get my my rent's got to be about twenty five hundred. And you know, people aren't paying twenty five hundred in that area. I mean, if I get yeah. lucky. But yeah, so it, you got to pivot, man. That's how you got to do it in this industry. If you don't pivot, if you don't change, you're going to get rocked. You know, you got a business. I've noticed that, man. What would you think uh, is is uh, the main? I mean, aside from what the economy is doing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what what has been your most successful way of making money in in the wholesaling industry? Yeah, man. I mean, I I've tried. I've dabbled. I dabbled in everything. I've done everything from pay per click to uh, texting to cold calling to knocking doors. I, I find that you know they're all they're all take a lot of effort, right? No matter do, what yeah. you do. But uh, we've had the most success with texting and pay per click. And I've, what I've had to do, cause my business, you know, like everybody else's, you see the ups and downs. Sometimes you're waiting for a deal to close and it takes another month cause of title. I've worked on JVing with a lot of uh, people in my network, which is $0 of marketing spend. Right. And then I'm still able to make, you know, uh, you know, a sizable wholesale fee depending on the deal. So that's kind of what I, I would say that's like kind of the bread and butter right now is JVing that supplements, you know, I guess the lower times when you're not getting deals. I love business models like joint venture. Yeah. You know, for you guys that may not know the JV aspect of things, what we're doing is we're looking for individuals who can't sell their properties, right? Or they're struggling with dispo, which is when you're taking a contract that you have on a property and you're selling it. So a lot of people, they can't find the investor like Joe, like the guy that you were talking about, the, yeah, the, the, the quote unquote investor that would approach you to buy the deal. Yeah. You know, sometimes that dude's a lot harder to find than, than usual. Right. And so when you plug your resources into somebody else's problem, you're essentially filling the gap. Exactly. You know, they already dug for the gold. You're just giving them the shovel now. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, man, you can make a lot of money joint venturing with people and helping them sell deals. Right. Uh, having a whole disposition company on, on our side, too, has been super oh, beneficial because it just sure. adds to the bottom line. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and the great thing about JVing is like uh, I mean, the marketing spend is zero. Right. So yep. you just you just got to leverage your relationships. So it's it, it's it is like. like that, too. Yep. Instead of prospecting for sellers who want to potentially 
you know, get rid of their properties. You're marketing right. to wholesalers and it, you know, you, you connect to one guy who's just on a marketing train mm-hmm. to, you know, he's already finding five or 10 houses yeah. and you're just plugging in to the efforts that he's already put in Exa- place. Exactly. I mean, if you're the go-to guy, if you're the magnet, the glue in your market and people go to you cause they know you got the relationships, that's, that's the kind of the model I'm teaching right now. Cause with the market happening, the shift happening, I believe that the power is in the buyer right now. The, mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you're ever, there's a, going to be a ton of motivated sellers. They're all hitting the MLS right now. I'm a motivated seller Buy my house. Right. But the power is who's buying, um, you know, who are the buyers who's still not afraid or, you know, to close on properties and has cash. If you know who those people are, you're the, you're the man right now. What do you do? So like four years, bro, is in my opinion, a very, very, like you're telling me you've done hundreds of deals. Mm-hmm. I was in the business for that long and yeah. barely did one. Really? Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, it was terrible. You know what I'm saying? So I, I would have to ask you, you know, what is, how, how did you make this happen so fast? That's what, that's the main thing I want to ask. You. So I have, um, I had a business partner, which it helps a ton, right? If you're by yourself, I mean, I mean, you, we multiplied our efforts by two. So when we were, uh, when we first started, um, you know, we, uh, we worked, we were cold calling together, we were knocking together, we were doing it all together, and then we hired a team out. And I mean, it's, it wasn't all gold, right? It's, it's never like that when it first starts. But um, yeah, I would just say we leverage people. That's like something that I've learned to do, but I haven't done the best at just to be mm. straightforward because hiring is tough. It is, it is tough. So, so it, I don't want to paint a picture where it's like I'm the freaking man because it's not like, I mean, it's up and down since, since I started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, main reason I want to say is because, man, 400 deals in four years, like hundreds of deals yeah, yeah. in four years is still insane. Yeah. Having a business partner is definitely good. You know, have you lost a lot of money doing this too? Yeah, yeah. I meant uh, right now, right? Like we're in debt. How, did right? you, how are you dealing with it? Um, staying positive, right? Like because we have those three flips, right? that aren't moving and th- that's our money. Like most, like kind of your situation, th- that's your money that's stuck in there. Like we have, we have one deal where we pretty much bought it and then we have the other on hard money. So it's just like s- sitting in there. And for me, it's like, you know, you can't, you can't lose hope. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like we, if we can just bleed slowly on those, we'll be cool. Like I think the market will rebound. If that makes sense. I feel that too. I feel that too. You know, I think that uh, where a lot of people, we were talking about this off of the the podcast. I mentioned that the economy only reveals a business's weaknesses, right? So when we see things that are changing in the economy, we can either choose to fail or we can choose to adapt. Right. And so it's really about having free will and choice. So you get a chance to say, I'm either going to let this bury me and not continue to go. Or you can say that I'm an entrepreneur and as an entrepreneur, I have to take this risk. Yeah. You know, there's two types of people that exist in a business, bro. You have an entrepreneur and then you have an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is somebody who works someone else's risk. And an entrepreneur is someone who holds all of that risk. Both of them have the capabilities to become billionaires. There's a story I'll share with you, bro. And I definitely want to know what your feedback is. Yeah, for sure. There was a guy in 1983 who got a job working at Microsoft. Bill Gates had just launched the platform. It wasn't blowing up just yet. People didn't have computers in every single household yet. If you did, you were rich. You know what I mean? And so there wasn't like this Google that you could just search everything on the fucking computer. Steve Ballmer and Bill Gates built Microsoft all the way up until the year 2000. In the year 2000, Bill Gates stepped down as CEO. Steve Ballmer continued to rock it with the company. Ballmer. And so uh, this guy in 2000 got the position of CEO in Bill Gates' company. Yeah. And through stocks, 
through shareholdings of the business, through uh, equity in the company, through uh, compensation and bonuses and salary and infrastructure and all the things that was given to him for running the business in place of Bill Gates. In the year 2014, Steve Ballmer retired. Right. And uh, guess what his net worth was when he retired? No idea. Tons? $13 billion. Oh, my gosh. And he worked for a company. Yeah, yeah. Right? He's the owner of the Clippers, right? Yep. Yep. And with $7 billion, he bought the Clippers. Oh my gosh. Did you know that he used to work at Microsoft? You know what, man? I, I did hear. I, I don't. I thought, does he not work there anymore? He, no, he retired, you said, completely right? Completely retired. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. already in his 60s, man. So, like, That's he just. I always see him on. You always team. see him on the, the sidelines going, getting wild, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, in the it's, basketball it's games. crazy to think that that was an employee one time. You know, it, that what you just said, I mean, my take is that's. It's hard to believe, right? It's like, wow, it like, can someone working for someone else make that kind of money? But, I mean, you, what you just said is true. I mean, the dude owns the Clippers. You don't own a basketball team unless you're freaking loaded, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's, that's amazing. And, and uh, you know, it's not always the path, like, you know, of being the entrepreneur, right? Like, I mean, you can, you can be a doctor. I mean, doctors make tons of money. I mean, it just depends what path you want to take, and you just got to own it. You got you to gotta be the best at it. I wanted to ask you about your operation right now, currently. Yeah, yeah. How do you run this business model? Yeah, that's a great question, man. So this is, it's, it's been interesting. You said that, the, <laughs> you said that um, the shift exposes uh, the issues in a business, correct? It does, yeah, correct. And, and I'll agree with you 100%, man. My business at the beginning of the year was thriving. We were doing deals. We were crushing it. And we had uh, outsourced all our virtual assist, our acquisitions of virtual assistants in Columbia. Right, they Beautiful. were they were doing deals. Right, they speak Spanish too. They speak Spanish, Spanish and English. Nice. But what had happened in Utah, uh, like most of the deals that we we're doing, when the market shifted, our guys weren't the greatest at negotiating our, our virtual assistants. Right, and they just like that's went from doing a lot of deals to like not doing that many. Right, mm -hmm. and the marketing was piling up and all that stuff. And that's kind of when I told you I joined the family because I, you know, I obviously teach people how to get their first deal, and that's kind of, of the community course. I have. And I met Tom Kroll, and Tom's like, hey, man, you don't need a business partner right now. That's basically what he said. He's like, you you can do this all by yourself. So I talked to my business partner. Our company was kind of going through that, like, turmoil because of the shift, and I just said, hey, man, like, I can do this myself, and you can do this yourself. Like, we don't need to, we don't need to split everything 50-50, right? So what I did is I, I went real lean with it. I went, it's me right now, and it's three virtual assistants. And what we do is we just snipe deals off the MLS from other wholesalers, and we give them to buyers I have great relationships with in my market, and I just throw my fee on there. And that's kind of how I do business right now. It's just me and the overhead super low, right? It's just some VAs. So everything's all profit instead of that business model we had where it was, you know, leads managers, acquisitions managers, dispositions managers. Burning through the entire account. Burning through the entire account. So what I do right now is I teach people how to, I call it painless wholesaling because my last name is Nathan Payne. So I call it painless wholesaling, but I it's reverse it. wholesaling. And I say, hey, guys, look, you can go out there and spend all the money you want, but all the motivated sellers are hitting the MLS. That's what 90% of people are going to go there. They're hitting the MLS, and you why not leverage the guys that are willing to go grind and spend all that money to market? Why don't you just help them find the end buyer? And that's what I do right now, and I teach people how to do that. How has this increased your ROI and your bottom line? Oh, sh a ton, man. I mean, when you have a business partner and you have all these expenses and you split everything 50-50 at the end, you don't really make that much. I'm just going to be transparent with you, man. Like, it, it doesn't go that far And if you got to split it all these different ways. But now it's just me and a couple of VAs. Like, I get to keep everything, and it feels great. Like, I was making, like, 145k on a flip. You know, I was making good money. But after it trickled down and paid for everything, 
it didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't excited about it. Right. Taxes, overhead, e- everything. Commissions. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and especially when you start flipping and that money's actually in other properties too, it's like, it, it, you don't see as much. So yeah, right so now it's, it's like a lifestyle change. Like, it's like, Hey man, it's a couple of VAs. I love my VAs. They, they, they're, they're, um, what are they analyzing deals for me that come across the MLS or from other wholesalers deals? They say, they say, Hey Nate, this is a good one. Call on it. Right. So it's, it's super easy. And then I'm able to run my, my other business set. You know, I've been telling you about the, the, the community I have. So, so you have no Americans working for you right now? Uh, no, no Americans. It's just me and, uh, three VAs from the Philippines. And they, they do, they do multiple tasks. They do like the social media posting. They do, uh, you know, analyzing the deals They run my, my Facebook group. So it's just them and they're doing both, right? They do both of the, the real estate. So really, really right now, real estate's a kind of a part-time gig. If a deal comes through, then I'll move it. This is something that I've noticed in the space. Yeah. Virtual assistants from another country are a threat to the American employee, specifically yeah. the stay at home one. Oh, dude. You know, think about this for a second. You have one person who's just replying, doing CSR, mm-hmm. right? They're doing customer service. And they're replying to emails and text messages and online inquiries. Exactly. They're paying. They're paying an American to do this, twenty three dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. When you can pay somebody that lives in a third world country four to five dollars an hour. Hundred percent. And that could literally. What if you had a hundred American agents doing that? Yeah. Twenty three dollars an hour. Multiply that by one hundred. That's, that's how much money you're forking out. Yeah. Every single hour. You can literally cut that expense down completely yep. by putting a virtual assistant in place. Now, what I've realized is that if that continues to be the way that people do business here in in, in, in our in our in our country, right, it's going to be putting a lot of people out of jobs. Yeah, and I think that this is why entrepreneurship is so important. You know, like uh, two podcasts ago, guys. If you guys go back and you look at episode, I believe twenty three. Um, Benji, I had a friend, his name's Benjamin, mm-hmm. super cool guy. I can't even say guy, he's a kid. Yeah. He's 17 years old, bro. That's crazy. And he started his business cold calling in his dad's room That's in wild. their house. Yeah. He was going through high school as a sophomore, learning business. Yeah. Didn't want to talk to anybody because everyone just, he, he didn't feel like he connected with people. Yeah, yeah. And so made his first call. He got $300 cash app to him. Somebody wanted to use him to manage his ads. Wow. This dude went on TikTok and went on YouTube and found out how to do PPC. Wow. And so he manages PPC campaigns for investors. Now his business is bringing in almost six figures every single month. That's amazing, dude. And he's 17 years old, my dude. He just graduated like a couple of months ago. <laughs> That's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. You know, it trips me out, right? But guess what? He has staff that is twice his age that work for him. Yeah. They're all from like uh, Nicaragua. And so they're all working for a 17-year-old kid in the U.S. Make, getting making way more money. Than very grateful. In their own country. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. super grateful Completely for the opportunity. Grateful. For you guys that may think that we're paying people less, we're actually paying people more. Yeah, yeah. The hourly rate for people who live in the Philippines, just so y'all know, is a dollar seventy-eight. It's equivalent to a dollar and seventy-eight cents. Yeah. So when I offer a virtual assistant four to seven dollars an hour to work for my organization, bro, like that is just next level. Like to them, they're getting paid what a government employee goes 10 years to school to get for paid. sure. man. Yeah. And so we as Americans get to capitalize on this. And if you guys go back to episode 21 that I did with Aaron Bevins, we did a Q&A episode. Yeah. We were talking about capitalism. Mm-hmm. Wholesaling real estate is capitalism because yep. it's an equal play field. 
anybody can come in and mm -hmm. make noise. Yes. You know, just like four years ago, you didn't know anything about the industry. Now you're four years later making like you're disrupting it now. Mm -hmm. You're creating a platform. You're teaching and coaching. You're also making a crap ton of money doing it mm -hmm. where everyone else is preaching. You need a cold call room filled with like 10, 15 reps. They all need to be on salary and payroll. You yeah. need a CEO, CFO, XYZ. They all need to be American. You need to be forking out half a million dollars a year to run a wholesaling organization. For sure. Do you know how much you're spending every year with your low cost operation right now? Um, in, a, in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So salaries wise and software, probably like 3,500 a month. Man, that's nothing, bro. Yeah. When I first got into this business, everyone was preaching the model that I'm telling you about. Yeah, yeah, for I had sure. I got in an office three years ago. Uh, the office was about 10,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. uh, I had put about 20 people, I put asses in seats because that's what my mentors told me to do. I had the wrong coaches, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And then they were telling me to just invest into a bunch of dialers and have everybody cold call and buy high equity absentee. Yeah, yeah. And that's Bro, just tons of work. Tons we of were making 100K, but I was spending 90K. Exactly. And my overhead was insane. And people may have saw that and they were like, wow, Q's doing big things. Mm -hmm. They didn't know that I was bleeding that entire time. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of the do more with less. I operation. agree. I agree. Yeah. And I think that it's super advantageous, man. What, yeah. what do you think was the switch, though? Like, uh, you know, when you were like, you know what, I'm going to go off on my own. Mm -hmm. What was the switch that happened that made you make that decision? If you don't mind me. asking. Yeah, no, it's been kind of a gradual thing for me. You know, uh, what what happened was the, this is one of the big switches I had is the looking the book right here. Right. When I started looking at people, the go-giver, when I started looking at people as not as competition, but, uh, you know, as, as people I can work with, I can give back to. So and I, had to, I had to flip my mindset of uh, abundance mentality. I need to stop looking at things as scarcity. Because I used to look at guys like you, other wholesalers, and I'd be like, man, that's my competition. Like, I can't talk to them. Maybe they'll take my deal. Right when you're new, when you're new. Like, but I flipped the mentality, and that's what kind of enabled me to understand, like, hey, these people aren't competition. These are people we can do business with. This is people we can do deals with, right? So that was the first thing. And then going on my own was just, you know, just, it was, it was time, man. Like, it just felt, the reason why I didn't for a long time was just because, like, when you make a commitment in the beginning to just work together, you just feel like, hey, I got to stick, stick this out. But after having that conversation with my business partner, he's super cool with it. She's like, hey, man, we're going to do better you know, if we just take accountability for ourselves and ever since we, we, we dipped and it's been like three months, like it's been a, it's been a game changer for me because I no longer have to run things by somebody. Even if we agree, it still takes energy to be like, Hey, what do you think of this? Right. But now it's yeah. like, I'm just going to go and do it. Cause like, for example, me coming out to see you, like what? I just decided that like that. I didn't have to run that by anybody. It's my <laughs> yeah. decision, right? And that's it's the like cool being thing. married when you're in a partnership. Kind yeah. Of. And it's like, for me, like you said, Hey, you want to come out? I said, Let's do it. There's no think. I mean, I had to ask my wife, right? But, uh, but, yeah. but from at least business wise, it's <laughs> that's like, a different type of commitment. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just made the decision, and that's it, there's power in being accountable and you know being the one in charge. And not saying business partners is wrong, but um, you know, it's it's it can stifle you. You want to make good decisions, and you want to make them on your own, right? You know, I completely understand. I've gone through three bad partnerships, bro. Yeah. Not bad. It's right. just we weren't together at the right time. Yeah, I get it. Dude, I'll tell you something, though. Sometimes you got to fall out of an opportunity to fall back into a better one. Exactly. And so that person, even though you may not have them as a partner anymore, that still could be somebody 
that you could potentially grow an even better business oh, within the future. Oh, 100%. Because yeah, if we're, you knew that you were successful here, you could be successful somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, we're still good friends and everything. You know, we're, we're no bad blood. But it, it is it is nice to kind of be able to break off and, and know, hey, there might be some potential in the future, right? Like you said. When I had broken off from my business partner, because I owned a real estate company with my one of my friends. His name's Garrett. He's been on the podcast, too. Mm-hmm. He's episode three. We talked about options trading. Oh, we cool. fell out of that business mm-hmm. and fell back into a new one. And so he and I, we run an entire options trading mastermind together. Shoot. Yeah, bro. bro. And tight. it's a passive income monster, bro. That plus we also get education. Uh, we we just continuously share resources. We do events that are paid for by the community. That's awesome. It's, it's fun, bro. We just got done doing our first weekend event for the the group yeah you know, we had yeah. about 30 people show up it was great it was here in free. san antonio here in san antonio oh, wow. yeah some people That's took awesome. two planes to get here too man dang it was just cool seeing the entire community in one place that is place. cool and there's something about that being you know having a community and get people together it's just fun man it is bro man, and it's, it's just liberating fun. too yeah uh, community is so important. You could do so much more with the community. Exactly. That's yeah. one of the reasons why I pivoted too into growing like accountability groups because that helped me out so much with like, this is a group of people that are actually wanting to invest into themselves, wanting to grow. I'm going to help them find deals. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guide them and show them how to make tens of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to bring it back to me somehow. Yeah. I'm not asking for it. It's not a demand. I just know that it's going to come back to me. Exactly. Because the more that you do for someone else, the more that's done for you. Yeah, man, that's the great thing about the go giver. It's just like the more you give, the more you get, and it's you know you don't even, you're not even looking for anything in return. You just know it's coming. That's just how it is, and it's beautiful. Yep. What, so, dude, I love that you read that book, bro. What do you think has been the most impactful book that you've read that's benefited your wholesaling business? I mean, we're looking at it. This is one of the best. Never split the difference because you know when I started learning how to communicate the right way and not trying to convince people, right, but just trying to figure out uh, the best way to communicate. That really helped me because I I really. I came from the door-to-door sales background where you had to close somebody on the door, right? You had to close them right then. That's not how it works with housing. You don't get Mm -hmm. to just meet somebody and then be able to like get the the contract signed that day or that hour. Sometimes they got to, they got to go through some deal killers. You got to go through some, um, some issues or, you know, uh, they got to talk to their family because they got to, right. They got to run it by a couple people. And that, you know, that book just helped me understand like, you know, the way to negotiate and not just, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Just like, try and force someone to do something. Cause that's not the way sales works. You, you can't really force people to do anything. You got to present options and make them feel like it's their decision. What do you think has been the most beneficial part of your sales process that helps you get the property under contract? I would say presenting options is my favorite part of the sales process and my best. Because when I talk to people, I'm like the reluctant buyer. I'm not like, Hey, I, Oh man, I love your house. I'd love to buy. It. I'm more like, Hey, are you sure you want to sell this for cash? You know, there's better options out there. <laughs> I love yeah, that. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to be reluctant because if you it's like, um, you know, it's like if you're trying to date a girl and you're all up on her, right? You're like, hey, I'd love to take you out. She's going to be like, oh, yeah. you're kind of all over me. But if you're like, clingy. hey, yeah, you're clingy. But if you're like, hey, you're probably busy tonight. But, you know, if you're if you're open, if you're free, I'd love to take you out. You know, you're not not coming on so strong. And it's the same thing. When I first started wholesaling, I was just trying to lock people up at a low rate, at a low price, right? Because you got to get it discounted. So anyway, I've learned that presenting options, being reluctant, and just kind of pushing them more towards like, hey, this option of mine, it's probably not your best option. Let's explore some other stuff. And if they say, no, you know, Nate, I don't really want to list it. And I'm like, are you sure? They're like, yeah, I don't like listing it. I, it takes too much time. I don't want people walking through my house. So, okay, well, if you don't want to list it, if you don't want to flip it, if you don't want to keep it, then a cash option is a good option that I'm available to buy your house for. And then they're like, okay, let's explore that. So instead of me having to convince them to take that cash offer, they kind of came to me after we explored everything else. So 
it's the options. Dude, one thing I've learned about just being involved with the wholesaler community, because mm-hmm. that's really where I started, man. If you guys are listening to this podcast, you know, I, I've come a long way. Yeah, man. I love wholesaling, though, because it's definitely like a solid way to get some good capital. It is, And yeah. you can use this for a lot of other things, you know. Even if real estate isn't the thing that you want to do and it's not what you're passionate about, mm-hmm. you still have the ability to take what you made over here and then invest it into this thing that you actually wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, you know, this is where a lot of people get bottlenecked in that business model. If you get into wholesaling, there's a 90% chance that you've never owned a business in your entire fucking life. And so because of that, Very true. you're just using your wit and you're using your grit, you know, and, and those two are like married in the same way. Cause you're trying to get creative, but you're also realizing that this shit's hard as fuck, you know, it is, um, yeah. with that, with people not being business oriented, you know, and you're talking about like. In, in the wholesaler community, like with you and what you've been able to do, you focus real heavy on the sales process. Yeah. What is some advice that you can give to that wholesaler that's watching this right now that just has absolutely like no confidence on the phone, man? How do they even break that? You know what? I mean, I've, through doing a lot of sales training because I love sales and learning about it. It's. It, it, Would you recommend them do door to door or cold call? Door to door. Door to door is just money. Like it, you can't get shaken. After you do door to door and someone just tells you no for 50 doors in a row, it doesn't affect you anymore, right? Like, you're just like, you're cool with it, right? And, door, and then at that point, cold calling is easy. Like, because someone yells at you on the phone or, or doesn't, you know, hangs up, who cares? You know, on to the next one. But I, I would say door-to-door helps a ton. Um, and what, sorry, what was the other question before well, that? Because I have a friend, bro, that I mentor. Her name's Tiani. Yeah. She's a sweetheart. She lives out in Florida. Yeah. She has very low confidence in herself. That's, okay, so that was and your so question. Like, how did you break? out of that because they're no damn well when you call somebody yes. to buy their house and you just have investors that you know to buy houses mm-hmm. but you're like this is in my money yeah right like how do you even overcome that fear from your point of view yeah man so i i mean it's hard to me to speak to that just because i i kind of got off that fear really quick because i told you i went on a two-year mission when i was 19 from 19 to t- uh, 21 i t- talked about jesus knocked doors for two years I got rid of that fear because of the consistency of action and just hearing no a lot, right? So if someone has, I guess I could relate that if you have that fear, you just got to get over, you got to take action and you'll get over it. It's, it's like we were talking about working out. Like you ain't going to develop the muscle of hearing no <laughs> yeah. uh, until you hear it a lot, right? Or yeah. you're not going to get stronger. So there's really no way you're going to be able to wake up, watch a motivational video one day and just be like, it doesn't affect me anymore. I'm the, I can do this. Like it, it takes time. It takes practice. And that's the thing I like about sales training. It talks about no one is born. Maybe some people are better at communicating than others, but no one's born like the best salesman. It takes daily practice. It's a skill set. That it's you a skill acquire. set. Yeah. So no one is better than anyone else just because they were born that way, right? In, in sales, you've got to practice. You got to acquire a skill. So you're you're a girl that you're talking about. She's she's just got to get out there and try it and keep going, and she will develop that muscle. She's always sending me this like she's like, hey mentor, yeah, because I'm her mentor. Mm-hmm. She's like, look what I did, right? And then she'll send me like a whole journal, and it's filled with all these goals. Yeah, yeah. And she sent this to me before. Mm-hmm. And then some, she's only like completed like maybe half. She's got to take action. Yeah, exactly. And it's the analysis paralysis that I'm trying to help people get through. And your community is doing the same. Like let's quit thinking about it. Quit, you know, writing down goals. It, goals are great. Right. But unless you act upon them, what's the point? Right. So that's that's what I would say. A lot of people that I talk to and I'm assuming you talk to, they want the dream. They want this, but they're not doing what it takes. And that's How what do I you think. attacked. Like, how do you attack those goals in your business? Like, let's say the goal is to make $100,000 in one month. Right. How do you look at that? And then how do you execute? 
Yeah, so I actually, I'm giant into mindset and planning. And the way I have, I actually created my own planner, like my own, like uh, a jet. I call, it, I call it the ultimate planner to dominate life. Like I created a booklet. And what I do is I take goals by 90 days. Okay, so I, I break every goal I have into 90 days. And then I say, okay, reverse engineer that. If your goal is to do 100, let's just say 10 deals in 90 days, right? Okay. How can you, what, what are you going to have to do every week in those 90 days? What do you got, 13, 12 weeks, whatever? Okay, so what are the actions in that week? Okay, now you've broken it down from 90 days to every week. Now, what is that daily? So really, you're just reverse engineering the actions you have to take and then tracking that, um, you know, from 90 to a week to daily. And at the end of your week, I have a weekly planning session with myself where I say, okay, um, how many calls did I make this week? Dang, my, I had to do 50 in order to hit that goal this week. I only did 20. I'm not going to hit my goal. So it's, it's really easy to see if you reverse engineer and you track your numbers, you ain't going to hit your goals unless you're taking the actions that are necessary. So a lot of people are like, hey, I want to make a million dollars this year. Well, do you know how you're going to make a million dollars this year or in a month like we, you know, in that scenario? Mm -hmm. that's, that's how I do it. I break it down, reverse engineer it. Kind of like reverse that. wholesaling. A lot of people, they come up to me at these conferences whenever I'm speaking at events. And if you ever meet me at one, I always give you my time. And I love giving you, you guys do, man. My time. You do, yeah. It, it's a, it's a blessing that I'm even noticed in in a space in the first place. Yeah. You know. So whenever these guys come up to me, they always ask me. They say, "Q, how do I get to doing ten deals?" Right. Right. And I always tell them the same thing, man. Exactly what you just said right now. Mm -hmm. What did it take for you to do one? Yeah. Now break it down and now do it ten times. <laughs> do it ten times over. Yeah. You take what it took to do one, and you duplicate your efforts by ten. Yeah, exactly. Oh, now you're at 10 deals. 100%. So you can't scale what you've never measured. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that that's a big thing for people that are starting out in this industry. Like I said, man, wholesalers, they're not necessarily business oriented. No, and man. so they really pick up business etiquette along the way. Right. You've actually gotten there pretty fucking fast, man. I'll Thanks, be honest. Yeah. It's, it's pretty damn cool to see. Well, I, I had a business before this uh, that was not that good of a business, but I had a little bit of experience. What was it? <laughs> so in college, uh, I opened up a, a music venue and a cereal bar. I, wow. I really liked cereal growing up. I loved eating, you know, Lucky Charms and all that stuff. And my goal in college was, uh, it was always a dream of mine to create a community, uh, a place where people could just go hang out and chill. So I wanted to create a place called like the chill zone where people in college could go and hang out. But I was like, no one's just going to go to my place and hang out. There's got to be something to attract them, right? So then I said, okay, let's, there's, let's put up a stage. Let's have music. We'll have live music every weekend. And then we'll have cereal that they can eat and soda. So that, like a soda bar, you know how those places are now. Absolutely. So that's, that's what I did. And so I had that for about a year. And then once I graduated, I sold the place. But um, yeah, that's, so I had that understanding of how to like hire employees and do that. So I didn't go into, um, you know, wholesaling with like no knowledge. And I also had the door to door, which I ran like, you know, teams of like 19, 18 sales guys every summer and they would, they would sell. I'd make a residual or um, override on their sales. So I had some experience. It's, it's not like a, you know no savvy but I not but it. it is it is t a completely different model exactly it's what crazy. i was gonna say yeah it's completely selling different. cereal and an, an experience at an event is way different than closing way different deals you dude know? way different but this yeah. just goes to show you man if you're working like let's say you have like a record store or you freaking like i don't know let's say you're you're selling cbd pens you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah the point is is that business is universal and and the languages for each one is is specific to the niche and so, guys, you know, definitely, man, if Nathan can fucking work and, and build out a cereal bar and then go into making multiple millions of dollars in wholesaling, you, I don't care if you're working at Jack in the Box. That's the only job I've ever had. You Bro, my job was Smoothie King before. And then I just started. <laughs> well, I mean, Door to Door was kind of like for Smoothie myself. King. 
Bro, I love Smoothie King, I'm too, I'm going to order a Smoothie King for myself after this. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> do it. But, yeah, so that was my first job. And then after, I, you could say that door-to-door is kind of like you're an entrepreneur because you're 1099, right? But, uh, but yeah, Smoothie King, Jack in the Box, we're right there. Today. Boom. Look yeah. at that. You know, yeah. so, guys, this is what I love about this business is that it's equal playing ground, meaning that anybody can jump in and be successful. Yeah. What is one piece of advice that you'll give to the people that, and we'll bring it to a close yeah, uh, yeah. that you would give to the people that are out there to listening. Cause I do get a lot of wholesalers that listen right now for sure that are struggling with getting their first deal, man. Yeah. What so, would be that one piece of advice you would give to that person? So I'm going to tell them what I do, right? Cause I'm not going to tell you guys to go do something. I'm not. So what I'm doing right now is I'm getting tight with 10 to 15 serious buyers in my market and knowing exactly where they want to buy. And then I'm finding it for them. That's what I'm doing because I'm not about to go pull a list on batch leads or something and just call 10,000 people and hope I get a deal in an area that somebody wants to buy right now. That's not worth my time. So what I'm doing is I'm saying, hey, John, I call him up. What, where are you buying right now? He's like, I'm buying in India, Indian Hills if you can find me a 3-2. That's exactly what I'm going to market for. I'm exactly going to drive for dollars in that neighborhood, look for what he wants, and I'm going to call those people. And if anything comes across the MLS in that neighborhood, I'm making an offer. If any wholesaler finds a deal in that area, I'm making an offer. So that's what I'm doing because I don't have the time or want to waste my time calling through a giant list and hoping I can sell right now. That's not what I'm, it's not worth my time. (laughs) I love it, man. So that's what I would tell everyone to do. Go get tight with somebody, go find them what they want so you already know you got a deal before you know, before you even have to put it under contract. I love it, bro. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Nathan, tell everybody where they can follow you, man. Uh, so I'm on, I'm I'm on YouTube, Nathan Payne. And, uh, you just type my, my name on the first one on YouTube. Uh, I have a Facebook group called painless wholesaling group, you know, that plays (laughs) off the name. And and then, um, you know, uh, there's uh, Instagram, Nathan Payne official. And, uh, where's the other one that I was going to say? So we got uh, Facebook, we have, uh, Instagram. Oh yeah. My website. InvestorThrive.com. That's my company's name. It's InvestorThrive.com. Yeah. I love it, bro. Guys, yeah. I'm going to plug all of those links into the description of the video. Nathan, dude, I appreciate you flying down here. Hey, man, I appreciate the time. Me, man. It was an awesome time. I will see you guys on the next one. Peace out, everybody. Love y'all.